This week, we're telling you the story of a man who walked into his country's consulate and was killed by a 15-person hit squad. His body was dismembered and to this day has not been found. This is the story of Jamal Khashoggi. Jamal Khashoggi is famous for being a dissident of Saudi Arabia, a journalist living in exile, writing scathing critiques of the kingdom and its leader, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. But Jamal Khashoggi is more famous for walking into his own country's consulate in Istanbul in 2018 and never being seen again. On the morning of the 2nd of October 2018, Jamal Khashoggi arrived in Istanbul on an early flight. At the same time, Nine Saudis also arrived at the Istanbul airport on a private plane. They joined six others who were waiting for Hashoji at the consulate. He left the airport and went to an apartment that he bought with Hatij Cengiz, who he had met five months before at a conference in Istanbul. She says they were fiancéed and planning to get married. She also says that to do so, Hashoji needed official paperwork showing his divorce with his previous wife in Saudi Arabia was finalized. She says that's the reason he went to the Saudi embassy in Istanbul, where he was told to go to the consulate a few days later when his documents would be ready for him to pick up. The last known image of Jamal Khashoggi alive is CCTV footage of him entering the building at 1.14pm local time. The consul general had sent word to non-Saudi staff to stay home that day. For more than two weeks, the kingdom insisted Hashoji had left the building unharmed. They then said he died accidentally in a fistfight and that the murder had not been premeditated or state-sanctioned. But the Turkish government published CCTV footage and photos of the hit squad arriving on the same day as Hashoji's appointment at the consulate. The Saudi government was then forced to admit a team of 15 men was sent to Istanbul from Saudi Arabia. They said they had planned only to speak to Hashoji and persuade him to return home. Eventually, their story would become that a team of rogue agents acted outside of state orders and killed and dismembered him. The hit squad that was sent to the consulate included one of Mohammed bin Salman's personal bodyguards, a forensic doctor at the Saudi Ministry of Interior specialized in autopsies, and a Jamal Hashoji lookalike. The lookalike wore Hashoji's clothes that were taken from his dead body and left the consulate that afternoon in an attempt to fool anyone watching the CCTV footage later on. Despite these details that have emerged, the Saudi kingdom insists to this day that these agents went rogue when they murdered Hashoji. Just days after admitting he was assassinated in the Istanbul consulate, the Saudi king and crown prince Mohammed bin Salman invited Hashoji's eldest son Salah to Riyadh for a forgiveness photo op. So who was Jamal Khashoggi, and why was he assassinated by a team of Saudi government officials? Khashoggi was born in 1958 to a family with very close ties to the Saudi royal family. His grandfather, Mohammed Khashoggi, was the personal physician to King Abdulaziz Al Saud, the founder of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. His grandfather's position secured his family's proximity to the throne, and thus access to money, status, and influence. To give you an example, Jamal Khashoggi's first cousin is Dodi Fayed. His uncle is Adnan Khashoggi, 
Adnan was a billionaire businessman involved in the Iran-Contra weapons deals in the 1980s. Dodi Fayed was Princess Diana's lover, and he was the man with her in the car when their car crashed in the tunnel in Paris in 1997, and they were both killed. In his early career, he worked as a reporter in Saudi Arabia. In the 1990s, he was a foreign correspondent throughout the Middle East for various newspapers and became a prominent name in the kingdom. There are allegations that he may also have worked as an intelligence operative for the Saudi monarchy. He also worked as a personal advisor to members of the royal family during this time, and the details of this work are unknown. It seems, however, that Hashoji's allegiance to the crown shifted in the early 2010s. His writing seemed to become inspired by the Arab Spring movement of 2011 as he began supporting Arab nations claiming a right to free speech and liberty in the face of autocratic rule. Soon after the Arab Spring movement began, he started writing more critically of religious conservatism in the Middle East and began writing critiques of the Saudi kingdom. He says he was put on a blacklist for criticizing Sharia law and strict Islamist views in late 2016. He criticized the ruling family and Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman directly. He was still able to live in the kingdom and write critiques of the ruling regime under King Al Saud. But when Mohammed bin Salman, or MBS, assumed power in 2017, Khashoggi predicted that the kingdom's policy on dissenters was going to change. Fearing for his safety, he left the Saudi kingdom for good, leaving behind his children and his friends. He continued writing harsh critiques of the kingdom from the UK and later from the United States from his self-imposed exile. Khashoggi's last opinion piece before his death for the Washington Post was about the war in Yemen. He called for an immediate ceasefire and blamed the war on Mohammed bin Salman. As a personal advisor to the Saudi royals, Khashoggi was on the inside for most of his life. With the relationships he made and the positions of influence that he and his family members had held, when he decided to turn against the royal family, he was able to write from a point of legitimacy and knowledge of the internal functioning of the Saudi government. And of course, that's what made him dangerous to the kingdom. He wrote scathingly about what he saw as hypocrisy and corruption in the kingdom. He also decried how the rest of the world continuously failed to condemn it. Today, we know that as part of his crackdown on dissent and opponents, MBS was waiting for the right opportunity to silence Jamal Khashoggi. For MBS, Khashoggi was an insider-turned-critic and he had betrayed the trust the royal family had placed in him. That's why the Saudi government sent Saud al-Qahtani to persuade Khashoggi to return to the kingdom from his self-imposed exile. We know that in 2018, al-Qahtani was monitoring, tracking, and speaking to Khashoggi since he left Saudi Arabia in 2017. He had contacted him several times, urging him to return to the kingdom. Six weeks after Hashoji was killed, the CIA said they had high confidence that MBS ordered the assassination. Then-President Trump routinely ignored reporters' questions about Hashoji. Instead, Trump defended and promoted billion-dollar weapons deals the Saudis had promised U.S. weapons manufacturers. There was a G20 meeting in Buenos Aires two months after the murder. In the official group photo, Saudi Crown Prince MBS is positioned on the top row hidden behind other government officials, as the news broke that Hashoji's murder was government-orchestrated. Protesters outside the venue demanded the arrest of MBS. But, six months later, MBS was not only invited to the G20 meeting in Osaka, Japan, 
but was positioned in the group photo between U.S. President Trump and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe in the center of the front row. Following the murder, Germany blocked previously approved arms sales to Saudi Arabia and called other countries to impose an arms embargo. At the time, Germany was the fourth largest exporter of weapons to Saudi Arabia after the United States, Britain, and France. The UK government, however, approved arms sales totaling at least 11.4 million pounds in the weeks after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Some countries took the opportunity to condemn the Saudi regime in various forms, but broadly across the planet, most countries did not take any drastic action as a result of the killing. Most countries have also failed to take any action in response to the civilian massacres sponsored by Saudi Arabia in Yemen. And the same goes for the business and finance world. A year before the murder, the Saudi government made a $45 billion contribution to the so-called Vision Fund. The fund is a $100 billion venture capital investment fund created by the Japanese firm SoftBank, and it's aimed at supplying large amounts of capital to U.S. Silicon Valley tech startups. When the fund launched in 2017, it was instantly the biggest financier in the Silicon Valley tech game. It became Uber's largest shareholder and pumped over $125 million into Slack. The fund invested $6.4 billion into WeWork. Billions of Saudi dollars were pumped into Silicon Valley. The Crown Prince is alleged to have said that without Saudi Arabia's massive investment, there would be no vision fund. The strategy seems to have been to pump easy money into the hands of the world's most powerful tech companies. Perhaps coincidentally, on the 3rd of October, the day after Khashoggi was murdered, MBS told Bloomberg reporters in Riyadh that another $45 billion were heading towards the fund. And with that additional investment, it looks like he guaranteed the silence of Silicon Valley companies who have not spoken out against the Saudi monarchy to this day. There is confusion as to what exactly was going on in Hashoji's life in the final months before his death. He married Egyptian flight attendant Hanan el Atar in an Islamic wedding near Washington, D.C., four months before his murder. The marriage was not officially registered in the U.S. Hashoji appears to have kept this relationship secret from his Turkish fiancée, Hatice Cengiz, who he met five months before his murder. His wife says she has been harassed and intimidated by Saudi officials since his death. His fiancée has been leading a public campaign against Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman since Khashoggi was killed. If you like this episode, please support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family. Each week, we release episodes in English and French. Listen to the French version by subscribing to the Now to Say podcast.